book of Numbers is, is uh, something you see in the book of Numbers often is that the children of Israel murmured against the Lord. Uh, they murmured against Moses. Uh, they complained often. And you don't see that just in the book of Numbers, but you see it more often in the book of Numbers than most of the other books as they're going through their wilderness wanderings. And, and we come to the, the book of Numbers in chapter number 13, and we come to the place where they have come to uh, Kadesh Barnea and they've stopped. And they're getting ready, and God has basically said, the, the land is ready for you, you're going to go in and you're going to possess it. And uh, the children of Israel get it in their, in their idea that they're going to send in 12 spies rather than just do what God told them to do. And so they go in, they spy out the land. This is a familiar story to you, but let's get started. We'll read uh, Numbers chapter 13, and let's start in verse number 17. All right, look down at verse 17. The Bible says... Uh, Sorry, and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. And uh, then jump down to verse number 27, if you would. Verse 27, the Bible says, And they, took him, they, they told him and said, We came unto the land, whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land south of the Hittites and the Jebusites of the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for, we be only, uh, for, for they are stronger than we. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight uh, about this subject, having a, a clear vision, uh, clear vision about what God wants. And, you know, God gave them a, a clear picture. He gave Israel a clear picture what, what was in the land and what was waiting for them. In fact, he had given that picture to them generations and generations before this, all the way back to Abraham, and promised them this land. And we come to this point, much has happened in, in, uh, in the history of Israel. They've been in Egypt. They, they've come out of that captivity. Uh, they've gone through much since that has happened. And they come to this spot, and God says, the land is ready for you. And we'll see that here in just a minute in, in uh, the book of Deuteronomy as well. But they come to this place, and they send in their 12 spies, and the 12 spies go in, and they come back, and they give an evil report. And they say, we cannot go in. There were two spies that said we can. Their names were Caleb and Joshua. And we'll see uh, the blessing that God has for them. But, you know, we live in a day and time uh, very similar to Moses' time. Uh, God has a plan and a design for each of us as individuals. He has a plan for us as our for our families. He has a plan for our church. He has a plan for our community. He has a plan for the world. He has a plan and he has a design and he is sovereign and he's working all of those things to come to pass. But what God wants to do is he wants to be able to use us to accomplish that plan. 
And many times what, what God gives to us to do, or, or many times what God puts out there for us, when we look at it, we think to ourselves, that's impossible. Or, or, or the way that God tells us to do it, we think to ourselves, that's really strange, and I think that this would be the better way to do that. And, and that's kind of what, this, what is happening right here in this passage. Uh, God tells them to go in and take up the land, and, and they think, well, I think we should go in and spy it out first. I think we should send some guys in. Let, let's, let's, let's see what's actually in there. Uh, let's see if they're, they're actually, you know, if we can actually take over the land or if they're going to be in great cities or if there's great armies waiting for us. Let's, let's see if the fruit of the land is actually what God said it was. And so they send in these 12 men. And 10 of them come back and they, and they have this evil report. And, you know, as we look at what's going on in our world today, as we look at God's plan that he has for, for, for all of us, uh, you know, one of the major plans that we, we see for all of us is that we're supposed to be a witness and a testimony, like we heard this morning. We're, we're supposed to, to preach, we're supposed to give out the good news. And, and as we see the plan of God unfolding for us as individuals in our lives, for us as a church and our families and all this, as we see all that happening, a lot of times we look at it and, and we don't have a clear picture of what God's vision is. We look at it, and much like this picture here, you know, m much of the, the background is blurry to us. And until we start looking at things from God's perspective, we will not have a clear vision. Until we start looking at things from the way that God looks at them, and God looks at things very differently. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about some of the different stories that we see in Scripture, some of the different people that God told to do some different things, and they probably thought, that's crazy. Uh, some of the things that God did and how he accomplished some of the things he's accomplished, and we look back at them now and we think that was impossible for that to happen. Um, you, you, look at, you look at Gideon. Uh, you know, Gideon, the, the, the lowest of the low in Israel, and yet God says, you're going to go up and you're going to destroy the Midianites. And so he takes an army up, and what does God do? God whittles the army down to 300 men, and he says, you're going to go out there and you're not even going to pick up a sword. You're going to blow a trumpet, you're going to yell, you're going to break some pitchers, you're going to have a torch, and they're going to kill themselves. And, and, you know, Gideon and probably much of Israel was probably thinking, you are crazy to send all these people home. And yet, God did what he did, and he did it the way he did it so that he could get the glory, right? So that he could be seen as a powerful person. You think of, uh, of a familiar story like David and Goliath. What was all of, all of Israel was doing there as, as Goliath is coming out and challenging Israel? They're all standing around thinking, we cannot defeat the giant. And, and in walks a, a, a lowly shepherd boy and says, what are you guys doing standing around? Somebody go out there and kill the giant. And if nobody else is willing to, I will. And everybody around probably thought, King Saul, you are crazy for allowing a shepherd boy who's never had any battle training to go in and fight this giant. But what did God do? God delivered Israel because of, Goliath, because of David's faith. You think of, uh, you know, jump to the New Testament, you think of somebody like Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. And, and the angel comes to her and says, you're going you're gonna to bear a son, and you're going to call his name Emmanuel. And she said, how can this be? I, I, I haven't known a man. How, you know, how is this even possible? And she wasn't being rebellious about it, but her question was, this is seemingly impossible, right? Uh, you think about Peter, who, 
toiled all night on the, on the sea, and, and then Jesus comes on and he says, go back out and cast on the other side. Go out, go out to deeper water and, and cast it out. And they brought in the, the great, uh, the great uh, amount of fishes. And you think of the way that, you know, and Peter, being a fisherman, probably is thinking, I've been out all night. Uh, there's no fish out there. They're, they're not coming in today. And Jesus said, do what I told you to do. Do it the way I told you to do it. And what did he do? He brought in something that was seemingly impossible. Think of Joshua and Jericho. Uh, you know, God says to them, you're going to just march around the city. One time a day, everyone's got to be completely silent. The last day, you're going to march around seven times, and then you're going to shout, and the walls are going to come tumbling down. And, and people, you know, a lot of times we look at those stories, and we get the, the opportunity to see those stories from this side of things where it's already happened, and God has already done that. But sometimes we think, and, and, you know, I know for myself that I look at things God wants me to do in my life, and I look at it, and I, and I think to myself, that's more impossible than the walls of Jericho coming down. Uh, that's more crazy than, than Gideon going up without a sword and just shouting and, and letting the army kill themselves. Uh, you know, and, and we look at things with our eyesight. We look at things from a, from a human standpoint and we don't have clear vision about what God wants. So for a short time today, I, I just want to talk to you and, and, and look at the mistake the majority of Israel made here in this passage um, and how we can avoid making that same mistake by seeing some things that God does when we go through life with clear vision. Okay, And so number one, we're going to look at just the, the sending of the spies. The first thing here is the sending of the spies. Mo, jump over, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter number 1. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter number 1. And we see here in, in verse 17 through 20, which we already read in, in the book, in, in Numbers chapter 13, that they decide to send out these 12 spies. But if you go to Deuteronomy chapter number 1, they're getting ready to send out these spies, and the people thought that they should spy out the land before conquering it, and before, and, and uh, and Moses really just allowed them to do it. He thought it was a good idea. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19, the Bible says, And when he departed from Horeb, we went all, all, uh, through all the great and terrible wilderness, which he saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, Ye are come up unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. As, it. as the Lord God have the fathers has said unto thee, fear not, neither be discouraged. So right there, Moses is rehearsing to them, and he's saying, God has promised it. God has given it to you. It's ready. You just have to go in, and you have to take it. Verse 22 says, and you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, we will send men before us, and they shall search out the land, and bring us word again by what, we, by, by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, Moses is saying that, and I took 12, of, uh, 12 men of you, one of a tribe, and they turned and went up into the mountain and came unto the valley of Eskel and searched it out, and they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought, word, uh, and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord uh, our God doth give us. But they decided they wanted to do things their own way. They decided they wanted to not just go in. You know, they were looking at it from their perspective, and they weren't living by faith. The Bible tells us in, in uh, Hebrews chapter number uh, 11, verse number 1, 
uh, or, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Uh, we are supposed to walk in a way which we are trusting God and allowing him to lead our lives. We're not supposed to walk based on what we can see. If we live based on what we could see, where would we ever go spiritually? We would never make any progress. Uh, you know, and if God revealed to us his whole plan for our lives, we'd probably just shut ourselves up in our houses somewhere and, and not ever go back out again because we can't take that either. You know, and so God gives it to us a step at a time, day by day, moment by moment, and that's what living by faith is. It's walking by faith and not by sight. But here we see at the beginning of Deuteronomy 1 that God clearly states that this is the time for them to go in and possess the land. Look back at Deuteronomy 1, verses 6 through 8. The Lord God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in the mount. Turn you and take your journey and go up into the mountain of the Amorites and unto all the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south, and by the seaside, in the land of the Canaanites, unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. So Moses, once again, is re refreshing them and saying, look, God has promised this all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The land is ready for you. Go in and take it. And so we're seeing the, the sending of the spies the, the, as they go out and as they're, they're, they're working to, to go in and look out the land, but they look at it from a human perspective. They don't look at it as the way God is viewing it. Uh, God has promised the land to them and told them what it was like. So why did they have to investigate in the first place? Right? God told them the, the fruit of the land is good. That it is a land that floweth with milk and honey. The people are ready for you. You're just going to go in, possess the land, take it. It's ready. No one is going to be able to stand against you. In fact, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. Be strong. Be very courageous. Go in and take up the land. And yet we see the people sending the spies and they think to themselves, there's giants, there's great big cities with great big walls, and, and there's lots of people that totally negates all of the blessings that are in the land as well. And, and we'll, get to, we'll get to those blessings here in just a second. The grapes that men had to carry on a, on a, on a, on a pole between two people. And, and yet they saw all the blessings and yet in their mind, they're thinking it's impossible. God wants to bless us, but this is in the way. They were looking at the obstacles instead of the opportunities that God was placing before them. We see Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, Israel should have been hoping for what God had been promising to them. They're going through the wilderness, and... and and already up to this point, they have said, why did, why, Moses, why did you bring us back out here into the wilderness? You know, th this is worse than if we would have just stayed in, in Egypt where we had the leeks and the garlics and we had all of, all of those things. But they totally forgot about all of slavery. They totally forgot about all of the hardship and all of the difficulty they were in in Egypt. They were just looking at some of the, the momentary blessings that they, that they had. And yet they come here and they're looking at all of the blessings God has placed before them. And they go, we can't do it. It's impossible. 
the people are too strong, the people are too many, the walls are too big. We cannot go in and take up the land. But God had promised it to them. God was, was ready to give it to them. So, he sends, so, so they send out these spies, but we see also the searching of the spies. What did they find when they got there? What did the spies uh, find when they did go in and they searched out the land? Well, they found everything that God had said was there. They found all of the blessings. In fact, multiple times they say it is a land that is good. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. It is all that God promised to us. And yet, there's a big but right after that statement. There's the big nevertheless. All of those, all of those blessings that God said and God promised and God has given to us. But... We can't do it. But there's too much in the way. They found everything that God said was true. Look back at verse, uh, look back in Numbers chapter 13 and look at verse number 27, or verse number 23, excuse me. And they came unto the brook Eskel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. Drop down to verse 27. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Can you imagine going to a place and, and cutting down a, a vine of grapes that is so big that you have to put it on a pole and carry it with two people? You know, as a boy, I, I always kind of thought, you know, this is like a, a cluster of grapes, and the grapes are like basketballs. You know, and, and they probably brought them in, and, and you're like, you know, it's a cluster of grapes about like the size that are, but the, the grapes were just bigger, right? And, and, you know, they probably had to like slice it into pieces and, and, and serve it like watermelon or something. But really, probably what this is, is it's just normal grapes like what we have today. It was just humongous clusters. And this is the, the first ripening, this is the first fruits of the grape season here in, in Eskel. And they've seen all of this. They're, they're carrying grapes with two people. They're carrying the figs and the pomegranates. They're seeing the, the land that flows with milk and honey. And they come back and they say, it's a great land. It's everything God promised. But, nevertheless, we cannot go in. We cannot possess it. And rather than just believing that God would indeed fight for them as he had in Egypt and the wilderness up to this point, they decided they were not able to do it and they rebelled against God and against his plan. If you kept your place in Deuteronomy, here's a couple more verses there. In, in chapter number one, Deuteronomy verses 30, the Bible says, The Lord your God, which goeth before you, shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where, you're, where thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son, in all the way that ye went, until ye came into this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. Think about these men that went in to spy out the land. These men are men that were in Egypt. These men are men that were there. They went through the hardships. These are the men that went forward and they saw Egypt's army drown in the Red Sea. These are the men that are following 
the, 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 the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. These are the men that see God provide manna and water where there is none. You know, these guys have seen so much that God has done, and yet they get to this place. And the Bible says, right there at, the, at that last verse, yet in all these things you did not believe the Lord your God. They believe God up to this point. They might have murmured. They might have been part of that, that complaining that went on. But God showed himself strong. God blessed. And yet they come to this place. And, and what is, what is their, their testimony that God gives them? In this thing, they believe not God. In this thing, they rebelled. In this thing, they did not what God wanted them to do. And so we'll see number three, the summary of the spies. What's the summary that they bring? Uh, you know, there, there's, letter A, there's a majority report. Uh, the ten of the twelve spies, how many, of you, how many of you learned the song, the twelve spies went to spy in Canaan, ten were bad and two were good? Any of you learned that song in, in, in Sunday school? Twelve men went to spy in Canaan, ten were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw? You know, the ten guys came back. What was their report? The majority report emphasized the obstacles instead of the opportunities and concluded, based on what they saw, that they were too weak to conquer the enemy. They were walking by sight, not by faith. The people of the land were giants. The city walls were too high and too strong, and it made them feel, the Bible says at the end of uh, chapter 13, that they were like grasshoppers in their sight. The men of Israel felt like they are so big and their cities are so big and the people are so big that we're just like grasshoppers. We're just little insects to these people. And yet, what, what has God told them to do? What has God done all the way up to this point for them? And yet they cannot believe. They cannot go in because of their unbelief. Warren Wiersbe made this statement, unbelief binds you to God's greatness and magnifies your own weakness. Unbelief blinds you to God's greatness, but magnifies your own weaknesses. When we are unwilling to believe that God can, it blinds us to all that God wants to do. And magnifies all of our own weaknesses to the point that it it literally almost paralyzes us to do anything for God. We've got to be careful about unbelief, and yet this is the majority. These are the ten spies that came back, and they gave this report, and they got Israel on their side. Israel was supporting them. In fact, we'll see here in just a minute that Caleb and Joshua stood up, and they tried to, to, to turn the people the other direction, and the people got up, and they, started, they were getting ready to stone Caleb and Joshua. That's to the point that they were, they were unwilling to go into the land. They were going to kill two of its leaders because they were unwilling to do what God wanted. It blinded them to what God wanted to do, his greatness, and it magnified their weakness as they thought about what, they were wanting to, what God wanted them to do. But we see also the minority report. Look at verse number 30 in, 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 uh, in Numbers chapter 13. The Bible says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. What a statement of faith, right? And, and you find uh, 40 years later, 
after they've wandered around and after all these people in judgment have died, and, and what does Caleb say to Moses? Give me the mountain. Give me the mountain that I walked in. Give me the mountain that God promised to me all those years ago. I've been waiting 40 years for it. I'm still ready to go and possess it. That was Caleb's heart of faith. And, and we see Caleb uh, making that statement there. But if you look at Deuteronomy chapter number 14, I'm sorry, chapter, uh, sorry, Numbers chapter 14, excuse me, verse 6. The Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched out the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company which were passed through to search it. It is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defenses departed from them. And the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. They got to the point where these men were saying, look, we can go in and possess it. You know, how often do you feel like the minority today? I mean, we are the minority today, right? It's just the way that it is. It shouldn't be, but it is. And even amongst Christian circles, even amongst churches, sometimes we feel like we are in the minority. You know, people stepping away from what God wants, people not preaching the gospel, people not doing services, uh, you know, all these different things, uh, the, 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 the movements that are going on, and, and we think to ourselves, why? What's going on? Why, why can't we just go in and win people for Christ? Why can't we just do what God wants us? Why can't we just reach them? Why can't we just see as God sees? So we see this minority report. The minority report was based on faith. It was based on the faith in what God saw, not what they saw. Caleb and Joshua did not worry about the size of the obstacle because they were trusting in a great God. The important question in life is not how big the problem is or how big am I and how am I able to take care of it. The question, the major question we should ask ourselves is this, how big is my God? How big is the God I serve? We look at a small snippet of our life. We look at a small ability, you know, our small ability to see what we can see. And yet we've got a God in heaven that's looking down and he sees the whole thing. He sees all of our future. He's seen all of our past. He knew coronavirus was going to be here at the beginning of time. It didn't catch him by surprise. No, none of this is by surprise. None of this is by chance. God is in control of it all. And as we see the, their, their report, the, the two of them, and really most of Israel was siding with the majority, right? They were wanting to even stone these guys but they were asking themselves, and they were trying to ask Israel, how big is God? Is he not big enough to take care of this? And God looked out and saw all that was in the land, and saw the giants, and saw them as grasshoppers. Isaiah 40, verse 22 says this, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, speaking of God, and the inhabitants thereof are as 
grasshoppers. God looks at us as grasshoppers. God looks at all the inhabitants as grasshoppers. God saw the giants and said, they are grasshoppers in my sight. Whereas the majority was looking at them and saying, we are grasshoppers in their sight. They weren't looking at it from God's perspective. When we come down, the majority was looking at it, was not looking at it from God's point of faith, point of view. So when we walk by faith, the future is your friend. And every enemy in your life is defeated. When we look at it from our point of view, a lot of times the future is a place of fear. It's a place of the unknown. It's a place of worry. We don't know what's coming up ahead, but God does. And and so when we walk by faith and not by sight, the future is a friend to us. Because God has already taken care of all of the obstacles. God has already taken care of all of the enemies that are there. So let me ask you this question. How do we change our viewpoint? Okay, go back to that picture really quickly. This is uh, something I came across as I was studying. Just thought it was was a little bit humorous. And, And, you know, we always see the picture from a small standpoint. God sees the big picture. You see your two little rabbits, and one thinks he's got the biggest carrot in the world because of what he can see above. But the other one has the gigantic, enormous carrot below. How do we change our view? How do we change the way we look at things so that we're not looking at things just from a surface standpoint, but we see the whole big picture, all right? Number one, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all of thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Trust the Lord. Give it over to him. He knows what's here. He knows what's coming. He knows the next step. And he wants to direct our paths. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. It is well, is our theme for this year. The only way we have peace is by putting our trust in the Lord and relying on him to deal with the problems. Trust in the Lord. Number two, don't look at the size of the obstacles. That's what these men did. As they went into the land to spy it out, what did they see? They saw the, the bigness of the problem. They saw the walls, they saw the people, they saw the giants. Don't look at the size of the obstacle. Matthew 17 says this uh, in verse number 19 and 20, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could, you not, why could we not cast him out? They were just trying to, to cast a demon out of this man. And Jesus came and, and had to do it, and they asked him why. Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove Hence, to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Our problem is, is humanly, you know, how many of you think you have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed? Anybody know how big a grain of a mustard seed is? If I was holding one, you wouldn't be able to see it, okay? God says that's all you need, and you could say to this mountain, move hence. In another passage, he says you could say to a sycamore tree, get up and be cast in the sea, and it would obey you. But the point of those objects is not for us to say, let me go up there and move mountains and let me cast trees into the ocean. The point of it is to say, those are big obstacles, but God is able to overcome them if I have faith. Right? And so the, the question or, or the, 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 one of the ways we change our viewpoint is not looking at the obstacle. 
when we look at the obstacle, the faith we think we have, the faith we say we have a lot of times, goes right out the window. Because we see the bigness of the obstacle, rather than just trusting and believing that God can and will take care of it. Number three, look at the opportunity to show God's power. Look at the opportunity to show God's power. Mark chapter 10, verse 27 says this, And Jesus, looking unto them, saith, With men it is impossible, but with God... Uh, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The ten spies, as they went into the land, basically were saying, the blessings are great, but the battles that we're going to face and the burdens we're going to have are greater and not worth the blessing. But when we have spiritual vision and are able to see all that God wants to do and can do, many times we are in the minority, but we can step out and we can follow Christ by faith. And we can see great things done. God wants to do great things, and he wants to use us to do it. But we've got to see it from his point of view. And we've got to do things God's way. When we are not looking at things from God's perspective, we are living based on what we can see rather than living by faith. The question is, are we living by faith or are we living by sight? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day you've given. Lord, we thank you for these passages of Scripture. Thank you for the story that we've seen as the children of Israel came to a place where they had to make a choice. And uh, they had to choose to either to obey you or, or to rebel. Uh, to follow your plan or, or to look at things from their perspective and not do what you wanted. And Lord, I pray you'd help us in our lives that we would see all that you want to do in our lives and through our lives. Lord, that we could see the greatness, so that we could see the impossible things that you want to accomplish. And yet not look at the obstacles, but just do it by faith. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to walk by faith and not by sight. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.